Father, today as we open up the word, I pray that you would bring the word alive to us. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts. And I pray, oh God, that you will minister in a very special way to all the mothers on this Mother's Day. Father, I pray that you will be lifted up. Bring the word alive to us, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. I read about this story about Adam and Eve once they were kicked out of the, the garden and Adam was going out many hours uh, keeping the garden and working in the garden. He would come home late. One of these evenings, Eve picked up a fight with Adam and says, you know, um, I am growing suspicious about you. Looks like you are seeing someone else. Adam looked at her and said, you, you're crazy. What do you mean looking at someone? You and I are the only people in the garden. Who else is there? Well, she was not convinced. That night when Adam went to sleep, he felt something creeping up his side. And when he turned up in shock, he saw her counting his ribs, <laughs> making sure all of them were there. To be sure, God didn't take another one, create another Eve. Eve had bad publicity right from the time she was in the Garden of Eden until now. All through the generations, although on one side we are grateful for her because she is the mother of everyone who is alive, except everyone who is alive today, she is the mother of every human being that ever lived except Adam. She is not only the first mother, she is the mother of all mothers. And today on Mother's Day, we will focus on the first mother. Now, although we are grateful for her, many mothers also hold sometimes a grudge on Eve, especially when they're going through a pregnancy. And as they come near the due date, and as they approach the time of the delivery, you start remembering this woman that has been a reason for all the pain that you're going through. Or sometimes when you're yelling out loud, ah, you bring the whole world down. You know what? There's one person you remember, Mother Eve. You say, oh, why in the world did you? Let me, let me ask you a question. Have you ever cursed Eve in your heart? Mothers? Anybody? If you were to meet Eve in heaven, what is the first question you will ask her? What is the first question you will ask Eve if you meet her in heaven? Every one of the ladies who ever delivered a baby will have a three-letter word. Why? Why? Why did you eat the forbidden fruit? Why did you give in to the temptation? Why did you yield to the devil? Why did you disobey God? Eve's story is not different from many of your stories. Her story is filled with love and pain, filled with failures and God's rescue. It's a story of a fragmented family and parents who struggle because of that. I have three points, and in my first service, I could only cover two. So what I'm going to do today, looking at, it looks like I, I have more notes than I have time to share. 
I'm going to be sharing with you two points and I'm going to have a second part of this message next Sunday. Would that be okay? We'll have Mother's Day on two Sundays. Would that be cool? And all the ladies say? Yes. I hope you get a kitchen break today. The first thing I want to talk to you is the uniqueness of Eve as the first woman. The uniqueness of Eve as the first woman. Ladies, do you know that you are unique? You are special. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 28. Then God said, let us, plural. We find the triune God right there in Genesis chapter 1. Let us. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Make man in our, plural, image, in our likeness, and let them, plural, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, Read, read the next line. Are we there? Hello, LCD. Good morning. The next verse, please. Ah, thank you. Let's read it. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. You see, it says male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. You know, God's blessing on mankind had to do with posterity, had to do with replenishing the earth, had to do with increasing in number, has to do with his children. Are you with me? When God says, I bless you, he's saying, I'm going to bless you with more numbers. Are you with me? Now, when you look in the scripture, you find that God does not bless the plant kingdom. God blesses the animal kingdom and the human beings. And he says, fill the earth. When he blessed them, he says, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I want you to know Genesis chapter 1 says on the sixth day, God created Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 2 is an explanation of Genesis chapter 1. We don't find man being created again on the second day on, in, in Genesis chapter 2. He was only created one, but a detailed description of the creation is mentioned in Genesis chapter 2. Eve just didn't evolve. She was created by the maker, by the master. God made her with his own hands. Jesus knew it was true. Jesus referred to it as historic and true. And you know Jesus would not lie. Either Jesus was true or he was telling a lie. Either this is a historic fact or it is just a made-up story. Friends, evolution is a made-up story. You know that. That is why they call it the theory of evolution. There is a difference between a theory of evolution and the fact of creation. Amen? The Bible talks about the fact of creation. The Bible talks about the fact of Jesus' birth and 
and life and death and resurrection. We are not talking about a mythology, we talk about history. Big difference. First, God created Adam from the dust of the earth and then he caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep and out of his side, out of his side, he took a rib and not only did he take a rib, he also took a piece of flesh, by the way. A rib along with the flesh, he took and formed Eve. The Bible declares that Eve was from Adam's side as a special final act in the creative process. She was the culmination of all his creation. Matthew Henry, the great Bible commentator, says this of Eve. He says, Eve was made out of the rib, out of the side of Adam, not out of his head to rule him, not out of his feet to be trampled by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be loved. Can somebody say amen? One moment, there was no woman. And the very next moment, there she stands, a beautiful lady, fresh from the hand of the maker. She was a woman without a past. She was a woman with a future ahead of her. And since God personally made her, I believe he did an excellent job. Since God is perfect, she reflected his divine perfection. She was simply the best. I don't think there is any other woman that has come after her that is like her in beauty. She was a very beautiful woman, an incredibly beautiful woman. In fact, I, I personally believe she was the most beautiful woman that ever existed. Can you say amen? Why do I say that? Because if my master made her, and if he did it with all his creative power, if he did it with all his excellence, he crafted a beautiful lady with his own hands. I don't think he made an average woman. He made a most beautiful, intelligent, smart woman. You see, when... when when she got up, the first sight she saw was the face of God Almighty. And then, as soon as that was over, he took her and said, hey, come. She was created one moment, the very next moment, she is at the altar getting married. But before the marriage, while she was coming, here was Adam, he had just gotten out of surgery, you know that? He just got out of the operation theater, and he saw this lady, and says, whoa, 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 whoa. He says, whoa, man, whoa, man, woman. Whoa, 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 man, woman, woman. That's how the name woman came. That's a new inspired Vergie's version, you know that. Now, the Bible says that when Adam saw Eve, she, he fell in love instantly. She was such a beautiful woman. And, and, and the first thing he did was to burst out into a song. Did you know Adam could sing? He sang. Oh, by the way, the first song in the Bible was not a worship song. It is not saying, thou art worthy, O Lord Almighty, hallowed be thy name. No, 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 no. He looked at a woman and he burst into a song. He says, 
This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. He pursued a song. By the way, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, most of it is actually prose. But when it comes to what Adam sang, it is poetry. Something is lost in the, in the Christian circles. Sometimes people get too spiritual and they forget that love is an ingredient that God has put in a human heart. Sometimes we say, when we become born again Christians, you throw love out of the window. You throw romance out of the window. Friends, don't do that. Adam sang the first love song, you know who? To his woman in front of God Almighty. Hello, are you listening to me? Who was with Eve walking to Adam? God Almighty. And here this man, instead of worshipping, God did not rebuke him. He said, hey, chalo, chalo. <laughs> keep singing, keep singing, that's nice. You know, ladies, I want you to know, when you go past somewhere and you're, you're in the house and your, your husband is singing a song, you, you need to recognize that he's just following his great-grandfather. <laughs> because our great-grandpa, Adam, sang a song. And young ladies, you're going to college and somebody's whistling at you. They're just following the example of Adam. Because when a beautiful woman goes, a man bursts into a song. Sometimes they write poetry. Sometimes they hum a tune. As a young man growing up, I was into a lot of romantic songs. Oh, by the way, I'm talking about the 1980s, early, mid-80s. Uh, as a young man there, I would listen to a lot of Muhammad Rafi songs. Anybody here ever heard of Muhammad Rafi? Ah. Or go here, here. We have some unspiritual people like me here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Itna maza aata tha. And then God called me into ministry in 1986. And when I came into ministry, I said, you know, all of this is not good. So I took all my tapes, those days were tapes. Now, for those who do not know tape, those were the pre-version of the CD, okay? Some of you probably never seen a tape. I took all my tapes and I broke them and burned them. Now I'm saying I shouldn't have done that. Nowadays, they don't have love in the song. They are ditching, 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 ditching. How can you feel romantic about it? I don't understand. But there were some beautiful songs. Oh, by the way, God is for romance. Are you with me? How many of you know that? You know, many of you don't know it because we are into the arranged marriage system. You see, Adam's marriage was an arranged one. Yes or no? He could not choose his wife. God only brought the animals. He didn't choose any one of them. Thank the Lord. God had to bring a woman. And he didn't have a choice. But when he saw her, he fell in love. So that is a wonderful way of getting married. You have an arranged one, then you fall in love. That's exactly what happened to me. I had an arranged marriage and then I fell in love. For the last 16 years, I'm in love with a very beautiful lady. Amen? Some of you are wondering, Pastor, this doesn't sound like a spiritual message. You're saying romance, you're saying Muhammad Rafi. What are you preaching today? 
I'm preaching the Bible. I'm just talking about Adam's love song. Amen. So Adam burst into this song, and ever since, man has been singing a love song. Hallelujah. Any of the men here sing a love song anytime? Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to encourage you. Please sing it to your own wife. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very important. That's very important. Don't just sing it on the balcony and let somebody else listen to it. <laughs> sing it to your own wife. Amen. Hold her hand. Take her out for a nice candlelight dinner and sing a love song to her. Amen. It's all right. It's all right. The book of Proverbs says, God looks at how a man deals with a woman. Are you with me? Man may have an exterior. He may have a tough exterior. But when he comes to a woman, he becomes nice, gentle, sweet. That is how it is supposed to be. Now, in arranged marriage, it gets a lot different. That's a different system. But it is meant to be sweet and nice. But ladies, you also need to know how to get patao the man. Be sweet to him. Be sweet to him. Don't stand and say, this is what I want. And you say, you know, sasurala chale jau. Don't get harsh with your man. Be gentle with your man. Many women spoil the relationship by being too harsh with the man. Don't do that. On Mother's Day, I want to tell you, be gentle. Be gentle with your man. Be gentle. Be loving with your man. If you can be gentle and loving, if you can forget the argument, if you can just leave the fight, if you can be gentle with him, he will do what Jesus did. He will wash your feet. He will serve you. But nobody can serve a lady who is fighting all the time. Eve appeared a complete, mature, perfect woman. She was never a child. She was never a daughter. Eve existed in the heart of God before she landed in the arms of Adam. But I want you to know, as much as Eve was formed from the side of Adam, so was the church of Jesus Christ formed from the side of Jesus Christ. Hanging on the cross, they, thirst, they thrust a spear on Jesus' side. Blood and water flowed from his side. And that gave birth to the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Just like Eve came from the side, so did the church come from our master's side. No wonder the church is precious to the master. No wonder every wife should be precious to her husband. Hallelujah. Eve was unique as the first woman. The second thing I want you to see, I want you to see the temptation of Eve as the first wife. The first thing that happened to Eve right after her creation was that God led her right at the wedding altar to get married to this man who just woke up out of the operation theater. He just got up and God was there and officiated the wedding. It was a lightning swift love marriage. It was a courtship when God introduced this woman to the man. They met, they married, and suddenly Adam's paradise became a double paradise. Oh yes, he had joy, he had excitement. Every animal he had named had a companion, and now he has a companion. 
Eve was Adam's companion. She was his helper, the one who would complete him, the one who would equally share in the responsibility in the garden. She too was made in God's image, displaying a portion of the characteristics of God. Together with Adam, she can begin a family race and replenish the earth. When Eve came, God brought human relationship. God brought friendship. God brought marriage into the garden. Right in front of Eve was an eternal and was an eternity filled with joy in the earthly paradise. She and Adam could walk to any river, wade through the river. She could climb up the mountain. She could go to any beach. She could go to any place without a visa, without an air ticket, without money. She could go. Their days were filled with wonder. Their nights were filled with, with stars and sky. Every evening, God would come walking to them in the cool of the evening and spend time talking to them. Oh, what a bliss. What a joy. God would expound to them the mysteries of creation, the mysteries of the sun and the moon and the stars and the, and the animals and the fish and the birds and the trees and the mountains. Adam was given one responsibility. He was to tell Eve something. You see, both of them were made on the same day, but Adam was made first. Some people ask me, what should be the age gap be between a husband and wife? The ideal gap is the same day. That's a biblical. Few hours apart. So if you have to find a wife, go to the same hospital you were born, find out who was born right beside you. <laughs> Hallelujah. She was made the same day. But between those hours, between when God made Adam and then when he made Eve, God gave him some responsibility. He brought the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. And I can imagine the incredible image of God that was in Adam. The incredible power to have different names for different animals. He probably named few hundreds or thousands of animals in the few hours time. I heard somebody say, why didn't God make Eve before Adam named the animals? Well, the reason was perhaps that naming wouldn't have been done in a single day. They would have probably got into an argument and say, that looks like a lion. And she said, no, 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 that's not look him. And then they go into argument. For every animal, they would have probably ended up with some argument. God thought it's better that he named them himself. He did. He did. Think about the creativity in this, ad, in, in this man. And also, God told him, the entire earth is right before you. You can go anywhere, eat anything, do anything you want, but there is one tree in the garden. You should not go near it. You should not eat the fruit of that tree. The day you eat of it, you will die. Adam was supposed to tell Eve that, and he did. And then one day, the serpent came. The serpent was none other than Lucifer himself, the fallen Lucifer. He came to Eve 
she was with adam but then she just loitered around a little bit she was in some place of the garden adam was somewhere else nearby not too very far but when she was a little bit he, the, the 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 serpent found a time when he could catch the eve all by herself and then he put some questions to eve i want you to do something when you are away from your husband the enemy is looking the enemy is watching your life mothers listen to me ladies listen to me when you are trying to do things on your own the enemy is watching you when you are trying to go in the night catch the auto by night all by yourself the enemy is watching you when you are in home alone watching some of the series you should not be the enemy is watching you when you are home alone talking to the friend the kind of things that you should not be talking the enemy is watching you when you are with your closest buddy just you and your friend somewhere the enemy is watching you the enemy catches you when you're alone when you're vulnerable because he knows if he can just talk to you he can convince you he knows the authority you have he knows how deep you know the scriptures he knows how strong you are or how you weak you are today many ladies want to do things on their own they say i have why should i need my husband out all i needed was some children i got them get him out of this place please don't do that don't do that your role is not to keep commanding the husband some women do that the bible asks you to obey your husband in the lord to submit to your husband you don't like the bible you're getting the wrong book and carrying the wrong book in your hands but the god of the bible has put certain things in place if it's if it's too harsh too bad but the bible says wife submit to your husband in the lord as the husband submits to christ as he is acting like christ you submit to him in a godly way what if he is an unbeliever you still submit to him when you're alone the temptation come being the first woman she did not inherit sin she knew nothing of sin all she had was pure innocence holiness she was untainted by evil and she was pure innocent but you know even in her innocence she had something in her hand she had the word of god she didn't have the entire bible like you and i did but she just had two verses of the bible genesis chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 and the lord god said and the lord god commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it you will certainly die friend i want you to know something eve had enough word to drive the devil away but she was not even strong in that little word that god had given her you have enough weapon in your hands to drive the devil away you don't need to memorize 66 books you don't have to memorize the entire book of matthew you just need to know enough of the word to know what your authority is and what you can use against the enemy all she had to do was to say thus saith the lord mothers do you know you have a weapon in your hands i want you to hold your weapon in your hands will you please all the mothers in the service a mother that has this but doesn't read it is already a defeated mother 
A mother that has this but would never read it is already a defeated mother. That's what happened to Eve. This was not given by God in your hands to be kept under your pillow and to say, Jesus' name, Jesus. Magic formula will not work. You need to open it and you need to read it. Amen? I'm going to challenge every mother, every sister, every person in the service, in this, and you're listening to me through video, I want you to open your Bible and read it. Your authority comes from the Word of God. Though this Word is, is inherent, inherent. It is without mistake. Eve was clumsy in her use of the Word. Many people are not confident in the use of the word. Sometimes when people come to me and say, Pastor, I need a miracle, I ask them to open the Bible and read a portion of scripture. And it's so funny to watch them. I, I see this all the time. They'll come to me. Sometimes they may not even have the Bible. They come to me sometimes. They, they'll get a Bible and say, okay. I said, I want you to read the Bible and I want you to open your book to Ezekiel or Malachi or Thessalonians. And they go straight to the index and find out, where is it? Where is Ezekiel? I've never seen that in the Bible before. Immediately I know you're wanting a miracle as a defeated person. You have not even opened and you don't even know the books of the Bible. Friend, the Bible was not kept for a decoration in your, in your showcase. It's kept for you to read it. We don't worship the Bible. We believe the word and we obey the word. Hallelujah. When you don't read and know the word, you're already defeated. You're a piece of cake in the hands of the devil. He can tempt you. He can throw you in a second. You stand completely powerless against him without the word. I'm appalled at the number of people that go to theological colleges today. Some people go there to find a spouse. Some people go there to learn English. Some people go there because they have failed in so many subjects, at least get a theological degree. Some people go so you can get an address on an American and start get connected and get support from somewhere. But friend, sometimes people go because they have a call of God. And I have seen this tragedy happen to some of the people that go to Bible colleges. They go there full of the Holy Ghost. They go there with the authority. They go there, I mean, full. They're ready to cast the demon. They're ready to pray for this. But they go to Bible colleges, go through a system, and then they learn the Greek and the Hebrew. And then they learn the arguments. Then they learn the scholars. And they come out completely powerless. They come out of a Bible college. And then you come face to face with a person that is possessed by the demons. And you are afraid to pray for that person. You are afraid to pray because you don't know if you are going to cast the devil or the devil is going to cast you out. Sick person come and you are not even having the confidence to lay your hands and pray the prayer of faith. Because theology has taken every power out of you. That is not what theology was meant to be. But the devil exists in Bible colleges today. Taking the power of every person. Making you to think too much intellectually and argue every miracle in the Bible. There are people that come from Bible colleges that do not even believe a single miracle Jesus has done. What an embarrassment. What an insult. We have many in our world today. They come out from Bible college and they don't believe this is the word of God. 
you're already on the devil's side. You may have a big fat degree, but you're already on the devil's side because there is no power. There's nothing you can do in ministry. You cannot preach with conviction. You cannot pray with power. You cannot speak with authority to the devil. You cannot cast the sickness out and the demon out. What good is it that you have been to Bible college? A lot of religious nuts are coming out from Bible colleges. But we want power people. We want Bible colleges today that will go in and you come out with double fire. You want people to go into Bible college and come out with double fire. Believe the word. Preach the word. And, and obey the word. Can you say amen? I remember one time the devil talking to the sons of Sceva in the book of Acts. He says, and they went to this demon-possessed person and said, you know, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. <laughs> this is the most humorous scripture in the Bible. The devil talks to the person. He says, Jesus I know. Paul also I know. But which Bible college did you come from, brother? <laughs> Who in the world are you? Oh, no, no, I've got my MTH. Look here. I got my demon... Power comes from the word. Eve used the word, but she misused it. She misquoted it once. She subtracted it twice. She added to it once. She tried to paraphrase the Bible and thought by improving the word of God, she would depend on her mental ability for her authority. She was completely no match for the devil. Your power does not come from your paraphrased Bible. It comes from the word of God. comes from the word of God. I want you to see the challenge the devil puts at Eve. There were three levels of challenges that the devil put at Eve. Number one, he challenged Eve about the authority of God's word. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Did God really say? I mean, do you know that he said it? Maybe Adam must have said this to you. What proof do you have that this is exactly what God said? Exactly some of the Bible college students will say that to you. You know, I don't believe Jesus did that miracle. You know, that Greek and the Hebrew and the scholar, that scholar. I mean, they believe the scholar more than the son of God. The scholar is dead and gone. The Son of God is still alive. Has God really said? Don't you ever believe a pastor or a preacher or a minister of the word if they don't believe the Bible? Are you with me? Don't you ever follow somebody if he adds to the Bible, misquotes the Bible, subtracts the Bible? Don't you ever believe people like that? This is our authority. And I pray that every one of you would read this. The devil comes and the first attack is on the authority of God's word. Friend, I want you to know, this is the word of God. The entire book, cover to cover, is the word of God. Number two, he challenged the accuracy of God's word. Genesis 3 verse 1, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? 
<laughs> God only told don't eat from that tree. The devil is king. Did God say that you should not eat from any tree of the garden? Look at how he twists the word. There is a difference between that tree and any tree. He challenged the authority. Now he's challenged the accuracy. In other words, how do you know the words you quote are exactly what God said? How do you know there is no error in transmission from God to Adam to you? How do you know? You were not even there when God spoke to Adam. How do you know what has been handed to you is true? It may have some errors, you know. Friend, if you're sitting at New Life Assembly, you've been sitting in my preaching, I encourage you to read the word. Read the word. More than your newspaper, read the word. More than Facebook, read the word. More than Twitter, read the word. Your authority does not come from your Twitter account. Your authority against the devil does not come from your Facebook. Your authority comes from the word. Number three, he challenged the acceptability of God's word. Genesis 3, verse 4 to 6. You will not certainly die. I mean, God said when you eat, you will die. And the devil is saying, no, 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 you cannot accept that. <laughs> you see, you will not die. Verse 5, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, oh, ah, this looks such a nice fruit. She took it. She ate it. She also looked for Adam. <laughs> you know what Adam did? Adam was not looking at the fruit. He was still in the love song. He was looking at this beautiful lady. And she's giving the apple. He's not even looking at the apple. Men, don't fall so badly. I know you need to love your wives, but there is something that you need to do more than that. You need to use your head. You need to obey the word. Are you with me? You don't fall in love so much that you want to completely disobey God's word. That is why God put you as the head of the home. When she comes and says, do this, do that, you have to say, has God said it? Is it in line with the word? If it is in line with the word, you have to take your eyes off her and look at the word and tell her, sweetheart, that is not what the Bible says. Satan was saying, why would anyone put such restriction on you? I mean, look at you. You look such a, like a beautiful, mature, I mean, incredibly beautiful, smart lady. Why would a God put such restriction on you? I mean, does he want to treat you like a small baby? Tell you, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I mean, you like look smart. You look like you can take decisions on your own. Look at this fruit. It'll make you wise. It's desirable. And since she did not have a good grasp for the word, she was an easy prey to the devil. 
Ladies, today on Mother's Day, I will carry my message. I'm going to conclude now. Uh, I wouldn't have time for the third, third uh, message. My third one is this. Actually, the third one comes to the mother part. This is what I want to say. The third point is the struggle of Eve as the first mother, okay? Come next week and I have a beautiful continuation of what I'm preaching. Are you enjoying this teaching today? Yes? Some of you did. Thank you. You encouraged me. The rest of you, good morning. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to say this. She fell into the trap and she sinned. She took the fruit, gave to Adam. You see, the devil didn't tempt Adam. He just let Eve do that. And he fell for Eve. And he fell into sin. Though she was created sinless, she became the world's first sinner. She introduced sin to her whole offspring and to every generation that will follow after her. The Bible says, I was born in sin. My mother gave birth to me in sin. That doesn't mean my mother was sinning. What it meant was the sin that was carried on from Adam and Eve was there in my mother and it's in us. Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory. How? It is carried on. One moment she was free and the very next moment she was sinful. She was evil. She felt completely naked and ashamed. She felt completely vulnerable and exposed. You see, this is one trick of the devil I want you to know. The devil always brings to you the best first and the worst later. God always has the best in the end. Are you with me? The devil always will bring the best to you first. I mean, look at the man who's got a, a, a glass of whiskey in his hand and he's got a woman who's an immoral woman, not his wife. He's hanging around with her in the bar and he's telling and he's drunk and he's telling somebody near him, say, hey, this doesn't get better than this. This doesn't get any better than this. You know what? He's right. It always gets worse than that. It always gets worse than that. The devil always shows you the best and takes you to the worst. Because everyone that follows the devil finds their way to the hell fire. And worst is there. But you know what? It always gets better with Jesus. The devil never has any happy old people. Did you know that? Anybody here above 60? Lift your hands. Above 60. 60, 60. Brother, you look very young to me. Above 60, 60. Lift your hands. Let me ask you a question while you lift your hands. Are you happy serving Jesus? Lift your hands and just wave to me. If you're happy because you've known Jesus, serve Jesus in your 60s, lift your hand and wave it to me. Do you see that? You will never find happy old people with the devil. They're always upset. Their marriage is broken. The money is gone. The jobs are gone. Kids have broken. Kids have gone. Kids have divorced. I mean, it's a mess. But with Jesus, it gets better. You can remember those people saying, where did you keep the best till the last? I mean, this is the best wine. And you've kept it till the end. Hallelujah.
when adam and eve sinned and i'm going to call the worship team please their eyes were open and they knew good and bad god came to them and asked what happened you know it's very interesting he says adam what happened and adam says god this lady this lady i mean have you ever noticed your husband say that who who is who did this oh my wife she did it and her mother also did it <laughs> adam always found a way to blame his wife but you know what one of the things he did was to also blame god himself he says this woman you gave me gave me the fruit in other words god i'm innocent in this the real culprit is you you made this woman you brought her to me and i ate it you know i mean it is not my problem god goes to eve and says eve what happened this serpent he tricked me and i ate it and you notice it god doesn't go to the serpent and says why did you do it he goes to the serpent and cursed the serpent there are two things that happen the serpent got cursed and the earth got cursed the man and his wife both were judged are you with me both were judged the earth was cursed from that day thorns and thistles and mosquitoes and bugs and all of that came after that you know that somebody asked me when did god create mosquito that day that day but also you'll find that after their fall god moved in judgment and in mercy in verse 21 the lord god made garments of skin you see when god saw these people he had they had just the three four leaves around them adam and eve had three four leaves and god said that is not going to cover them he did something he brought an innocent animal and slaughtered the animal took the blood and showed them when you sin a blood has to be shed took the sin and covered them but also he did another act out of mercy he drove them out of the garden because in the garden was the tree of life in their fallen state had they gone to the tree of life and eaten that fruit they would have stayed a sinner forever in an act of mercy god drove them out of the garden and god said i'm going to prepare a way he looked at the woman and said your seed will crush the head of the serpent it's very interesting woman does not carry the seed only a man carries the seed but god looks at eve and said the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent jesus came as a seed of a woman he was not a seed of a man he was a seed of a woman and he crushed the head of the serpent at calvary hallelujah lift your hands and praise him today friend we're going to continue this message and teaching next week and i want you to bring all the ladies with you ladies will you do that but may i ask all the mothers to stand today all the mothers in our audience to stand you've heard the word today the reason eve fell was because she was wishy-washy about the authority i'm going to challenge everyone today I want you to be a student of God's word. If you have children of your own, you have adopted kids as well, you need to be a student of the word. Your authority for your life, for your kids, for your family comes from the word. 
I want to be a woman who will study the word. I want you to be a woman who will know how to pray. I want you to be a woman who will look at the devil and say, Thus saith the Lord. Amen. Mothers, if you have any family member near you, hold their hands. Your husband, your child, somebody near you, hold your hands. I want you to stretch your hands to these ladies. If your hands are free, mothers, lift them up to God. If you have even a single hand free, lift them up to God. Let's pray. Father, I pray for these mothers. Thank you, Lord, for all the hard work they do. Thank you for their commitment to their home, to their marriage, to their spouse, to their children. Some of them even have to go out and work, bring in an income to support their home and manage a home. God, I pray for extra grace. I pray for strength. I pray for health. I pray for an anointing. I pray for every one of them to be a student of your word. I pray, Lord, that their husbands will appreciate them. Their kids will respect them. That their family will value the input they put in their home. They'll have a good word for them. Help them, oh God, to be gentle. Help them to be loving. Help them to be kind. Help them to be efficient. Help them to be hardworking. Help them to build their home by their generosity and by their kindness. I bless these mothers in your name. Prosper them, I pray. Bless their homes. Thank you for speaking today in Jesus' name. Amen.